dives in for the touchdown. Did he get it? Yes, sir, he did. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. You're listening to the One Podcast. Hello and welcome to the One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. I'm Tori Petrie, joined on the other line by Mike O'Hara. Mike, it's good to chat with you, and, and we're talking about a Lions win today. Well, we're talking about more than that, but let's look at the, the brightest side possible, okay? And I know as we do this, <laughs> what is this, Thursday morning, Tori? It is, Thursday it morning? is. Okay, I look outside and it's dreary, it's rainy, it's glum, but the Detroit Lions are on a winning streak. You're right, they are. A two-month winning streak. <laughs> one in September, one in October. <laughs> and so the sun came out. <laughs> I suppose you're wondering what I've been drinking for breakfast, right? <laughs> yeah, it has to be that uh, highly caffeinated coffee that I sent you. Highly caffeinated. Caf- caf- no, but they played pretty well against uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars to get a win. And look, it's the way you play on the day you play against who you play against. And so translate all of that, they played pretty well for what they had to do. And I think that they are hoping that they have more than just one win in October here. Uh, still another chance to get another one when they face the Falcons, which we will talk about that later on in the podcast. But let's look back at this game against the Jaguars. You talked last week about how it was a must win for this team coming out of the bye. They really needed to get things back on track. What did you like about what you saw from this team in Jacksonville? Well, I like the way they came out and scored scored early and scored often and uh we can break down the different components, run, pass, defense, and all that. But but really, every time the every time Jacksonville, you know, would score either a touchdown or a field goal to sort of put themselves in position to maybe make a run. And the last time was at 24-10. Lions came back every time and scored. In other words, they trumped what the Jacksonville Jaguars did. I got put that trump in there for. Uh, a trump card for the benefit of our sponsors, MGM Grant. And so <laughs> I think we had aces on that one. Aces over something. <clears throat> but no, I think seriously, Tori, I think that that's, they answered right back. And, and I thought that was, that was an important thing to do. Like I said, Jacksonville, not a good defensive team, but the Detroit Lions absolutely dominated them up front. And it was really a good, good team win all the way around. And they played all four quarters, too. That's something that we haven't seen from them in many games this season. Uh, pa- uh, Coach Patricia has talked about it, how there's been different lulls at different times where, you know, the Packers game, they couldn't overcome the halftime swing that happened. Or, you know, they played well at the end of the game of the Saints game, but it was just that middle part. But but we didn't see that lull. And for me, that was a big part of this game. No, absolutely. And, you know, they got pressure on the quarterback, Gardner Minshew the second. What a name. I'm still fascinated by that. I've got to get over it. But 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 although they only sacked him one time, excuse me, they really made him run around. I don't think he was comfortable. He was running on, you know, running, throwing on the run off his left foot, off his right foot. He was wild. He was high. He never really, really got anything going to any degree. And, and I th- just one of the statistics to me that kind of stood out there was uh, he went into the game with the for the first uh, for their first five games with a uh, completion rate of 69 point something percent against the lions it was 51 something that just goes to show you what impact the rush had on it. now they had the one sack and a fumble by guess who trey flowers if trey doesn't do it nobody does and and, and recovered it uh and and but i thought that that was important and also they just the advantage in the, in the running game, 180-some yards for the Lions to 44 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You could just tell that they, you know, they'd like, you'd like to talk about exerting your will on a team. Well, they exerted their will to the point where the Jacksonville Jaguars exerted their won't 
<laughs> Fair enough. Let's talk about that run game from the Lions. I mean, this was an exciting game to watch uh, for DeAndre Swift. I mean, he really came out in this game and, and showed what he can do in the run game. We've seen a lot of what he can do in the uh, passing game coming out of the backfield, but he really got to carry the ball a lot in this game. Uh, what did you see from DeAndre? Well, we saw the kid from Georgia, and we saw why they drafted him, the, you know, in the third pick of the, with the second round to fill a need. I think it was only a, a matter of time that you know he had to, he had to earn some you know some snaps, he had to earn some some carries, and you know he really hadn't done that in the first uh, first uh, four games, but he hadn't gotten the ball an awful lot. He was more of a receiver. I think he had 13 catches and 12 runs in the first first four games, but then on, on Sunday against Jacksonville, that, that was completely different. I think he had 14 carries for 116 yards and three catches, but just the variety of things he can do. Just talking with some guys, I kind of compared him to Christian McCaffrey of, of, uh, of, of uh, the Carolina Panthers. Now, I think McCaffrey's a better player right now. He's a more you know, he's a more developed player. He's a more established player, sure. and maybe maybe just a little bit quicker than than DeAndre Swift. I'm not sure about that. Just the eye test of what I've seen. Swifter but, than Swift. Swifter than Swift. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> but you know, but I think he's got that skill set. You know, where he can catch the ball, he can run it, he can move, and he can move in traffic. And you know, look, the first their 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 first scoring drive, he had a 54 yard run. I'm sorry, the second scoring drive, he had a 54 yard run. And didn't leave the field. Stayed on the field for the rest of the possession. Carried the last three times. Uh, first and goal at the four. He had carried three straight times. The last time leaped over the, the stack from a yard out for a touchdown. So and then got another one later in the game. So pretty good game by him. And, and he's got to you know let, let's have more of it before we you know before we anoint him starting <laughs> running back or the number two number to one A and one B with Adrian Peterson. But before we anoint him, let's he's got to do more. Yeah, I'm curious about that because I've gotten so many questions from fans about, you know, where the Lions stand at running back, whether they have Adrian Peterson as their number one backer. Is it DeAndre Swift now or why is it this one and why is it not the other one? Uh, what do you make of the whole running back situation? And, you know, we really haven't seen on Johnson too much uh, carrying the ball. Uh, what do you think their mindset is behind the running back group right now? And is it still running back by committee? Well, I think it's running back by committee, and I think that and through seniority, I think maybe, maybe, maybe Adrian Peterson is the chairman of that committee. I'm not, <laughs> part part of that, though, because is the way he interacts with the other guys. They, he's he is a he walked right in off the street, and he is a mentor to those guys, and that's and and that not everybody can do that. Sometimes, you know, guys try to do it, and it's just you know it's what they call you know false enthusiasm. Well, it's 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 real with Adrian Peterson. Look, if this was Adrian Peterson in 2007, as as a seventh round, the seventh pick overall in that draft, then he would be the he would be the number one draft. He'd be the number one running back in all situations, just like in 1989 when Barry Sanders was drafted third overall by the Detroit Lions. There was no second back. There was Barry, and then there was everybody else. And you know. The, he had years like where he gained 1,880 yards, 2,053 yards, and an X-back didn't have 100 yards. I'm not have looked this up. I mean, you, you, and you didn't need a second back. You had Barry Sanders. You had Adrian Peterson. It's different now. This is a different era of football. My God, when I say that, I'm making Barry and myself seem old. But this is <laughs> this is a different a different. It's a different millennium for Pete's sakes. And and uh, 
think I better stop while I, before I run out of wind here. But no, but Tori, I'm, I'm serious about that. It's a different era. It's a different style of football. And and I, you're not looking for, in most cases, running backs to do it all well. The Lions have a pretty good spread of running backs, even including on Johnson. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of the situation, but exciting to watch the rookie have a coming out game nonetheless. But a big part of success in the run game is the offensive line, and the offensive line was able to get it done with a bunch of different guys on Sunday. Eight different offensive linemen played. Two guys left the game uh, at one point with dehydration issues playing down there in the humidity in Jacksonville uh, with Vitae and Crosby leaving the game at different points you had Matt Nelson in there at right tackle uh for a good part of the game what did you make of how the offensive line played Sunday well I was surprised that the two guys went out after playing 25 snaps I didn't realize it was that that uh debilitating in Jacksonville this time of year you would know better than I do because you're from that area it is still hot this time of year I know Michiganders have a hard time believing that because it's cool rainy and all the leaves have changed up here but it's still hot in florida in october okay i'll take your word for that one but but i you know the lions kept 10 10 offensive linemen on their 53 54 player roster and under the new rules this year on game day you can keep an extra extra player as long as it's an offensive lineman so you know historically uh, most teams keep seven offensive linemen up on game day now they can keep an eighth and you know what they played all eight of them and they all played significant snaps now the only two guys only two players on the offensive line who played every snap were and predictably so were taylor decker the left tackle and frank ragnow the starting center everybody else rotated uh and really in a pretty heavy rotation but you know it was Really, I'm not sure what the formula was, but you see guys, you know, shuttling in and out, not by plays, you know, but by series and situations and all that. And and it worked. One of the things that Matthew Stafford said, and we heard this phrase a lot, change the line of scrimmage. And that's what you want your offensive linemen to do. You want to all of a sudden see, you know, when they fire off the ball, you see the defensive linemen on the other team, see their head snap back and take a step back. That's called, you know, changing the line of scrimmage. In other words, if it's first and 10 at the 20 and you get off the ball, then they go back to the 19, you've done your job. And they did that an awful lot. Uh, I don't think there were too many tackles for loss. Or they, weren't, they weren't stymied at the line of scrimmage. And you could see on that 54-yard run by, by DeAndre Swift, he got a the tight end, I think it was Jesse James, who's really been a good blocker for him. Even he got into the act, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just a wide gap there. You know, Dan Miller, the and this was before your time, Dan Miller, the play-by-play voice of the <laughs> Detroit Lions. No, I'm serious. It, it, uh, compared that to the to the 80-yard run by Javit in a big game against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football in a 2011 season where he just brought the house down. If that would have been in Detroit, it would have been a similar reaction to DeAndre Swift. Believe me, that those, that was just a, the same type of run, not quite the distance, and it wasn't a touchdown. But that, to me, was an example of, of them changing the line of scrimmage. Yeah, definitely. It definitely takes a good game from your offensive line in order to have a good game in the run game. And it was impressive that they were able to get it done with so many different guys. Uh, It seemed like with Joe Dahl coming off of IR just last week that they were kind of trying to work him in in a limited fashion. So maybe that was part of where the rotation was. I'm curious to see if that continues this next week uh, or if they go with a more firm five starting offensive linemen out there so we'll see what ends up happening with that but let's touch on uh, the defense as well and what the Lions were able to do on defense because they really 
upped their game on defense this last week. We got to see them get after the passer a lot. Now, it didn't exactly show up in terms of statistics with sacks, but they did pressure the quarterback a whole lot more. What did you like about that, Mike? Well, exactly what you said, Tori. They got they got they got pressures on on uh, on Minshew, and you know if not sacks, but you know sometimes you look if the quarterback runs away from pressure and can't set his feet and is throwing off balance, then you've done your job. Look, it's it's fun, but but one thing about sacks, and I think we talk about this every week, and so maybe when we get done with the season, we'll have the best of talking about <laughs> segments. But, but in all honesty, when you when you hit the quarterback, you have a chance to get you have a chance to get turnovers. For example, the play that that uh, that Trey Flowers made, sacked the quarterback, came down with that big power move, knocked the ball out of his hands, and and it was recovered by Romeo Oquara, and and. That's what happens with sacks. Hit the quarterback in the back. He's going to give up the ball. It's just the way it is. It's just a natural physical reaction most of the time if he doesn't know what's coming. Or you get tipped balls or you get you know deflections or late throws, early throws, you know, double pumping the ball. You know, there's a breakdown in the timing of the passing game, and that's what leads to leads to turnovers. And you know what? Really, when you, we think about it, Lions have been pretty good in that category. They really have. They've gotten they've gotten interceptions. They had a fumble recovery uh, Sunday in Jacksonville. And what they haven't done an awful lot of is give the ball away. They haven't had a fumble yet in five games. Not one. Not one Don't fumble, jinx not it, one Mike. Fumble lost. <laughs> Hold on a second. Can you hear this? <laughs> Is that you knocking on wood? No, it's me knocking on the side of my head. <laughs> Hopefully it's as, uh, as, as oh, protective. Oh, I see stars. No, I'm talking to one. Oh, wait, go ahead. Oh, goodness. Well, yeah, hopefully you haven't jinxed them there, but, uh, you know. Hopefully the knock helps out. But it definitely has been impressive seeing them get some takeaways. That's something that they've struggled with in recent years, not being able to get those takeaways. They've gotten them a few different ways. And, and you talk about pressure leading to uh, turnovers. Uh, on the play that Duran Harmon had that high point interception, it came from uh, Jelani Tavai getting pressure on Gardner Minshew. And so, you know, that's just evidence right there of how pressure on the quarterback does help even your secondary to get those interceptions. No, absolutely. You know, and, and Deron Harmon's been a good been a good addition for the Detroit Lions. I, you know, look, this is this is just a natural reaction. Any or any team that you know starts bringing in players, where their head coach or their personnel people or their scouts, you know, from a player who played for them in another place, wonder, okay, they're just bringing in their guys. But Deron Harmon is more than just somebody's guy. This yeah. is really a good football player. He's got good hands. He's got good instincts good guy and, and 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 you know they've got they've got size in their secondary now they really do you look at at uh, okuda at, at one uh cornerback uh amani oruorie i think i said that right again good job <laughs> well i practice and uh no amani oruorie is he's almost 6'2 208 pounds okuda i think is 6'1 205 something like that deron Harmon is a big guy at, at the secondary they got size there and i think if all things being equal if you add size to the equation then you've got you know you've got length and you can get the balls and 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 i think that helps i really do and i, sh- I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, leave out tracy walker because you know short you know he's no little guy either he's a big guy <laughs> no. with range and, and really a, a good good feel for the football game too yeah, speaking of that secondary, another game where Desmond Trufant isn't able to go, so we see a whole lot more of Amani Oruorie and Jeff Okuda. What do you think of the development of those two young guys on the outside? 
Well, they play hard. You know, I think Oer Warrior is, is, is really ahead of uh, Jeff Okuda, and he should be. You know, look, he was drafted last yeah. year, fifth round out of Penn State, a five-year player at Penn State. Let, let's, let, let's just compare this. He's got five years at Penn State and, and, and a year in the national football. That's six years of big-time football. Okuda had three coming in here, all at Ohio State. So, you know, Amani should be further developed. It only makes sense. He's older. He's you know had more physical development. He's been in a major weight program longer and, and you know, with high-quality coaching in both places. So, and and so you know, he should be he should be ahead of him. But I, I really like Jeff Okuda. I know he got beat on an out and up there down the right sideline, uh, the right sideline. If, if you're looking at Jacksonville's uh, defense uh, offense, and but caught up, made the tackle. Now look, you don't want to, your cornerback making a living out of catching up and making diving tackles and all that. You want to stop him before that happens. But I think he's a good tough, good tough a, a young player. And, and one thing I like about him is. He gets tackles for loss against the running game, and he really, really plays hard, and he plays tough. But there wasn't much else in terms of big catches besides that one no. that you talked about. No, I mean the other, the other really big play I think was the, was it fifteen or sixteen yard run by, uh, by Gardner Minshew for a touchdown. I mean that's he did it with his legs. But he certainly didn't do it with his arm to any degree. This season, there are even more ways to get into the game thanks to Lions Bingo presented by BetMGM. Lion fans can play along for free all season long for the chance to win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of a weekend stay at an MGM Resorts location. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during the game, and once you hit bingo, you score. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Learn more and lock in your Lions Bingo board before kickoff by visiting the official Lions mobile app now. Okay, let's look at this next game that the Lions have against the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have struggled this season to the point where they have fired their head coach, Dan Quinn. Uh, But they looked pretty good this last week against the Minnesota Vikings. They looked like they were trying to get things back on track just like the Lions are right now. Uh, What kind of challenge do the Lions have in Atlanta? Well, the challenge is, well, first of all, let's give credit to uh, Raheem Morris, who was been an assistant coach under Quinn in Atlanta since 2015 when they both arrived from different organizations. And he, I think it was four years as the, uh, as the assistant head coach and secondary coach. And then he was promoted to defensive coordinator this year and now head coach. Uh, Raheem Morris was a really well liked by his players in the three years. He was a head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and so when he st- when he stepped in front of that team on Monday, it was a familiar voice that they were hearing. They, those players knew him. Look, Dan Quinn was was very very popular too. So the first thing he did was he challenged his players and and, and you know he you know he spoke from the heart. Uh, 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 Raheem did and, and and got results out of that team on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. So I think the challenge is for the Detroit Lions is to put out the fire. You know and I don't that's easier said than done. But you would think that the Falcons coming home after winning a game on the road are going to obviously they're going to want to stack wins. Well, I mean, if winning two in a row is stacking. And the same thing with the Detroit Lions. They want to win another road game and get to three and three before they come home next week and start, you know, really a stretch of games. We're going to be playing a lot of games at home and a chance to make a playoff run. But the one thing to me that stands out, and look, I, I want to see this guy play is Julio Jones, the great, and I mean great, wide receiver of the Atlanta Falcons. When Raheem Morris was talking about him, in the zoo, in the conference call interview with the Detroit media this week, the name he brought out was Calvin Johnson. Well, here in Detroit, we know who Calvin Johnson was. 
was and is, and he's up for the Hall of Fame this 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 February. Well, Julio Jones is is, is his equal. He may not have quite the same stats, but he's he's his equal as a wide receiver. He's big, he's fast, he's strong, he's got a great pair of hands, and what he had six catches for 130 some yards and two touchdowns. And just to go show, these were not you know little plays either one was a third and long and one was on fourth down and this he's been a big time football player his entire career and he's got a big time quarterback that he's playing with in matt ryan now matt's kind of cooled off a little bit here in the last couple of years he's not quite the player he was uh, when he was the mvp of the league in 2016 but on a given day he can he can light you up and that given day was last week in minneapolis 30 of 40 for 371 yards four touchdowns no picks and a passer efficiency rating of 130 something so guys bring your a game on <laughs> sunday in atlanta okay well do you think that that game against the vikings was more so evidence of the vikings struggles so far this season or of the falcons turning things around well, the combination. The, the the Vikings are probably the most disappointing team in the league, and they, they look, they've got injuries, and, and I get all that, and they're playing without Delvin Cook, but they're just they're terrible. You know, they got injuries up front; they can't get to the quarterback. Uh, uh, Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, you know, a kid here from Michigan State, uh, who's had. You know he's in that you know second or third tier of quarterbacks. He's not in the top tier, but he's he's a good he's you know when he's on he's pretty he's pretty good. Well, he wasn't on last week. He had three touchdown passes, which sounds great. But he also had three interceptions. I think one of them was returned for a touchdown, and it really opened up some questions about his future in Minneapolis for the Falcons. Who, who, look, who cares about the Vikings now? It's what the, what the Falcons are doing that concerns the Detroit Lions, and and they they really put put together a good game. But the thing about them, and you got to look at it. They don't play defense at all, hardly. They're the 31st in the league. They're pretty good against the. Uh, they've shown to be pretty good against against the uh, against the run, but terrible against the pass. And this is a game where the Detroit Lions want to throw the ball. They should be able to throw it early, often, and to whoever they want. What do the Lions need to do on Sunday in Atlanta in order to defeat the Falcons? Control the game just like they did against uh, against the uh, Arizona Cardinals in Week Three. And then last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I think we're kind of forgetting something. That was more of a quality win right now uh, over Arizona than, than we might have thought at the time because, you know, teams are starting to, to define their, their value and their true worth. And I think the Arizona Cardinals have defined, have, have defined that in a big way, especially with last Monday night's win against Dallas. That's a good ball club. It really is. I don't think they're great on defense, but they, are, they really are, are – they can do some things on offense and the way the lions handled that game, I know it was a close game and they won it on a field goal on the last play, but they really played well that day against a team that's proved to be pretty good. Same thing with the Falcons, control the ball, keep the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands as long as you can and score, take advantage when you, when, when you've got your opportunities, score, score, score some more and don't hurt yourself with penalties. You know, I think the one thing that really was to me was kind of a little worrisome last week was, they had a chance to, 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 to really, you know, they, when they got that fumble recovery after the sack in the last minute of the first half, they had a chance to add to their lead, and they didn't because they had a good run from DeAndre Swift on first down, called back on a penalty, and then the possession, you know, it just it, it fell apart. Same thing when they had the ball with the opening kickoff of the second half. Penalty set them back, and they couldn't add to their lead and made it a little tougher on themselves than it had to be. Now, of course, we know what happened. They were able to overcome themselves, but... You know, emphasize the good that you did against Jacksonville last week. Take take away the penalties and a couple of little breakdowns. And I think you can come home with a two-game winning streak. 
All right, good stuff with the preview. Let's talk now about what you actually think the Lions will do on Sunday with Mike's Pick of the Week presented by MGM Grand Detroit, the king of sports books. Mike, who's it going to be in Atlanta? Well, I'm sitting here with a stack of black chips from MGM Grand. No, I'm just those are $100 <laughs> chips. Uh, you know, my pick last week was 37-20 Lions, and I see something similar. I really do. I don't you, I don't look. I think Atlanta's a team you're just not going to shut them down. That's the way it is. But they give up so many points, so many yards that I th- I think that the Lions have. We really haven't seen their passing game at its best, but we haven't seen a lot of it either. That's you know they've been really they've really forced the run a lot. I think they can do both against this team. I like the Detroit Lions once again. Lions 38, Atlanta Falcons 17, a 21 point. Wow. Lead. Okay. Yes. So a decisive win at Mercedes-Benz. Yes, I want you to remember that or forget it if I lose. (laughs) Will do, will do. All right, Mike, thanks so much for joining us on the One Pridecast presented by MGM Grand Detroit. Always a pleasure to talk to you during the week, and I will see you on Sunday for another game day at Ford Field as we watch the Lions on the road. All right, Tori, thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening, and we will chat with you next week. This season, there are even more ways to get into the game thanks to Lions Bingo presented by BetMGM. Lion fans can play along for free all season long for the chance to win great prizes, including the grand prize each week of a weekend stay at an MGM Resorts location. Just download the Lions mobile app and register to play Lions Bingo each and every week. Play along during the game, and once you hit bingo, you score. Courtesy of our friends at BetMGM. Learn more and lock in your Lions Bingo board before kickoff by visiting the official Lions mobile app now.